Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup with Dave Prodan. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 115. We are still here in the jungles of East Java, Indonesia right now, following the completion of the Quicksilver and Roxy Pro GLAN, won by Joanne DeFay and Jack Robinson in impressive fashion. It has been a real privilege to attend this event, one that epitomizes the founding of the original ASP Dream Tour in the 1990s, and I personally look forward to the world's best surfers coming back here for many years to come. Up next on the 2022 WSL Championship Tour will be the Surf City El Salvador Pro at Punta Roca from June 12th through the 20th, which will stream live at worldsurfleague.com and the WSL app. Do not miss it. Before we get to today's episode, a quick note of correction from our Dimity Stoil podcast. In each episode's outro, we do our best to acknowledge the original landholders where these conversations are recorded and produced. And in episode 112, we incorrectly cited that Dimity recorded her conversation on Jurakai land. This was 100% our error and our apologies to the traditional landholders of the Ganduwal and the Minjubal people of the Bunjalung nation. Thanks to Mark Simon for the education, and we will strive to do better in the future. All right. Episode 115. Today's guest is someone who has quickly emerged as one of the CT's favorite personalities, blending the seriousness with which he takes his profession with an unfiltered passion for living life to its fullest. He's candid about the personal and professional struggles he's had in getting to the elite level of competition, and his full-throttle, power-based approach has been heralded by judges and fans alike throughout the 2022 season. After surviving the midseason cut, guaranteeing his spot not just in the back half of this season, but also the start of 2023, he's now prepared to surf even harder, which will be something to behold in the upcoming series of events. We talk about all this and more. Please enjoy the lineups conversation with Meriwether's Jackson Baker. The good old clap take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? You can shut your fucking lips. And then I'll just say, put them up once. Let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. your <laughs> box. All right. We are live <laughs> from Garagegon with the 2022 WSL Championship Tour rookie and King Wombat. <laughs> Jackson Baker joining us on the lineup. Man, thanks so much for joining us. No, nah, no worries at all. I don't know if I'm the king wombat. I'm just one of the small ones at the moment. But no, nah, it's a cool little cool little Aussie crew we've got going on. And it's a cool little in- initiative that we've got. And everyone just sticks together and everyone's over here having a good time. So it's pretty cool. You know, for such an individual sport, like this does seem to be a truism. Like wherever you look throughout like history, whether it was, you know, the LMB crew from Australia or the momentum generation from the US and now the or Brazilian storm and now the wombats and that camaraderie on tour, it seems like it's, it's invaluable, you know, even for a sport that is individualistic. Oh, for sure. I think the biggest thing for us, I mean, a lot of us that are doing it all together now have come through the ranks together with guys like Connor O'Leary, like a bit of a, bit of an older head, even though we're all pretty young still, he's kind of like the head honcho. He kind of, those guys, Connor, Cooper, Way, Carmichael last year on the Challenger Series really got us Aussies together and really got that camaraderie together and, I don't know, get, got down there to watch the girls' heats. Like, we got around there and did stuff that we wouldn't have done before because we're on the road for four months. We're away from family, girlfriends, partners. It's 
it was a tough trot. So um, yeah, it worked then, and I mean, see how many Aussies qualified at the end of last year, and here we are now. So we're like, why, why change it on the CT? It's we're still away from our families and living the dream, but we might as well enjoy it all together. It's like you said, it's an individual sport, but if you can enjoy the lay days and stuff with your mates and I don't know, watch their careers as well. It's a pretty special, pretty special feeling. Yeah. And I mean, we had Jeff Booth from America was on the podcast last week yep. and there's that great Bill Ballard documentary, Archie, about Matt Archibald and when Matt came on tour, he was 15. And I remember from that doco, Jeff said, you have to be a pretty fairly put together person even to do the tour, you know, and even then it's, it's not a guarantee that you're going to succeed. And so it sounds like that, that community that you guys have built is just kind of creating a safety net for people. Cause it, if you're not going down there and watching other people's heat, so you, you don't kind of have that routine, it's, it's pretty easy to get lost. I'm wondering if you've ever experienced that even kind of coming up through the ranks doing the QS and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like what we've got going, going on right now is like, it's, it just makes everything so enjoyable, even like I said, in the Challenge Series last year. We are away for such a long time. It was a pretty much three, four-month stint. And Yes, the goal was to qualify, but, I mean, just the just the small wins we had every day just by watching other people win heats. Like, I mean, I only really got one result in that Challenge Series and it was a second and that was enough to make me qualify. I was watching every heat at France, every heat at Haleiwa. So, I mean, just to kind of sit back and support, like you said, it's an individual sport, but just to be able to watch your friends succeed as well and see – the, the support that you're giving them is helping them get their results. Because when I first started on the QS, it was very, very one-sided, no kind of team aspect. It was very, everyone was self-centered and that's fine. That's, that's cool. But I mean, coming through the ranks, it was like, you'd get to the six stars and no, no one had even talked to you or especially when you got to the primes, it was like, whoa, like, I was like, whoa, these guys don't really want you here. Like it was right. kind of tricky, but now it's, yeah, the, I think this feeling of, everyone getting around each other like like the brazilians they they started it like yeah. so cool just to see them at this camp here at joyo is like every dinner they're all sitting around together and we're trying to do the same thing so it's a really cool initiative just to hang out and i mean with what are we on day five day six lay day here and it, it does get pretty long if you were doing this solo it would be it'd be pretty tough so playing cards playing banana gram and just kind of just enjoying it with each other has been been really cool now you're very modest when i called you uh, king wombat before <laughs> and i don't want to create any sort of political discord uh you know upheaval within the group but truthfully just watching you this year and certainly even on garagegon like you are one of the spiritual leaders of the australian men's contingent which is no small feat as a rookie you know and in a way you really kind of come off as somewhat of a throwback CT surfer in that you take your job very seriously. You're incredibly talented, but you're not shy about enjoying yourself as well, which I, I would say across the sport, but specifically on the Australian side lately, is not something that you've seen in recent seasons. Is that is that a fair assessment from where you sit? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, just to, those words you said were so kind. That, that that makes me happy. That means that I'm doing what I'm doing right. I mean, if if you guys are seeing it that way, that's pretty cool. I mean, I'm just trying to be myself. Um, the biggest thing was when I qualified, I was like, I want to get on this tour and I don't want to have to change or conform to the system of, I don't know, doing anything differently. Like I'll, I'll work hard in the gym. I'll work hard for my career. But when we get a bit of time off, you got to win. You, you, you got to enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I do love a beer going down to the pub with my mates. I'm still that Aussie, Aussie fella at heart. So, I mean, I'm not going to come here and, 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 and change that. I mean, I want to be the same person, but succeed while doing that as well. So it's all about, it in moderation. So that's kind of just what I'm figuring out now is what I can and can't do at what times. And um, yeah, I mean, a beer every other doesn't hurt as long as you, because I mean, the work's already done before you get here. I feel like 
that one one or two beers every arvo not every arvo but some arvos ain't gonna hurt it's it's about enjoying the place where we are like the sunsets here every arvo are beautiful and just to be able to sit up there with some of your best mates and just enjoy the time here and just go we're on a beautiful island and just enjoying ourselves it's pretty cool yeah and i mean it, it is like su- surfing is such a unique sport in that it has probably the most dynamic feel to play in all of sports you know no heat's the same no waves the same and i think as a result it's so much different than something like basketball or anything else where you can kind of quantify the training to a point where you could walk onto the court and say i'm the tallest i'm the fastest i'm the strongest i'm the most talented i'm gonna have a elevated level of swagger yeah but surfing it's like all those things can be true and it's it's not going to happen for For sure so it sounds like whether this is intentional or not part of the the symptom of that approach is you just being comfortable you know where i think a lot of guys over the last two decades and girls have kind of overtrained to the point where they're like it didn't work you know and I, i wasn't me and, and I didn't surf my best. And, and I think that might be kind of a, a symptom of what you guys are going through. Yeah, for sure. I think um, the biggest thing is just about enjoying this thing. You don't know how long it's going to last for. I mean, with the cut every year now, it's like, I mean, it was pretty stressful before, but I, I just still remained, remained calm. And I was just like, okay, if this, if this dream's only going to be five events, let's, let's, let's make it count. And I'm lucky that I'm on the back end of it and I'm in the back end of the year now. And I feel as though now from, from G-Land forward, I'll be able to really show my surfing. I feel like I've been kind of a bit caged up just for trying to just surf to make the heat. Like now it's like I'm coming in at the bottom of the rankings. I'm going to be versing the top guys. If I'm not showing my best surfing, then why rock up? So um, I'm going to be coming up against like Gabby, Felipe, Kanoa, those types of guys. And that, that, that excites me. Like this is, this is where I, this is where I want to be. And I want to show those guys and I want to show everyone around the world that I deserve to be here and that um, I'm going to enjoy myself doing it. And yeah. But like you said, with the comfortable side, it's just, um, yeah, you've got to just be comfortable here. You can't, I think the first event at Pipe, I was a bit overwhelmed with coming up against guys like John and I was like, whoa, like with free surfs, you were barely getting any waves. And uh, once that event kind of went by and I got to sunset and really come into my own, that's a wave that I feel really comfortable at and winning my round one heat and then going in and having a good nudge against someone like Geordie Smith out there. That was where I was like, okay, that really clicked for me. And I was like, I deserve to be here, all the work that I've put in and stuff like that. There's always those little moments where you're like, okay, this is, this is where it starts. Yeah. After that, uh, second heat at sunset against Geordie, that's where I think you and I met the first time and I I came up and with Brent Powers and just congratulated you on the performance. And you're totally right that the, the dynamic on tour seemed very intense and we really are as a sport in uncharted waters because this is the first year we're having kind of the full flighted tour with the mid-season cut and and the challenger series is eight events etc and uh, we were kind of speculating before we got here to garagegon that it might be the most violent swing psychologically between ct5 and ct6 where everyone's stressed about making the cut in margaret river and right now in garagegon is maybe the safest anyone's ever going to feel because not only have you secured yourself for the back five events but the start of the next season so all you have to focus on is surfing right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, I think Cal, when he did the podcast with you the other week, he, he, he put it really well in a little snippet that went up on Instagram. He said, even though we are safe, you don't want to f- treat it like you're safe. But I think you've got to kind of put it in the aspect of like, yes, I'm safe for 10 events. Like for me, I've, I can't fall any further down than where I am right now. Like I just made the cut and 
that finals day, well, the last day at Margaret River, watching it all unfold, I was like, it was my dream right in front of my eyes. And it was the same thing that happened at Halle Eva when I first qualified. And I was like, oh, I don't know if this can happen twice. So it all went my way. But for now, it's like, for me, I'm just like, yes, I'm safe, but I still want to put my best best foot forward, my best performance forward. But yeah, here at G-Land, it's like everyone's just been enjoying themselves. Like we had a little soiree the other night. And it was so cool to see, like everyone was like, we've made it. Gabby's back. Like it was so cool that you can do that as professional athletes, just hang out and everyone gets on. It was um, one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. And I mean, everyone probably thinks we're up till late, late at night. We're actually in a bed by eight o'clock. So it was, it was a fun little afternoon and yeah, it was, it was a good time. Yeah. And it, it's been really interesting watching the response to the content that came out of that night too. And as you said, it's like, everyone's pretty much behaving themselves. We're all in bed by eight o'clock. It's like campground <laughs> rules, but it, it it was interesting to see how positive everyone responded to just the content, and the stories that was coming out, because, you know, having been here for 17 odd years and a fan of it before that, it does feel like the sport almost since its infancy is sort of insecurely been chasing mainstream acceptance by toning itself down and trying to kind of present a hyper curated version of professionality, which isn't to say people aren't professionals like everyone is, yeah. but a lot of what happened the other night has been happening the entire time. And that's in a lot of ways, the most interesting and appealing thing about it, that professional athletes can have a balance of having a good time and living life and performing at the highest level possible. Yeah, for sure. It was like that next morning, everyone was up ready for the call because there was a call that following morning and everyone was ready to go. If it was, if the machine was turned on, we were, we were ready to go. And it was actually funny. We joked about it a couple of times during the night. We're like, is this a sacrificial <laughs> night out that it could be six foot and pumping the next day? So no, nah, it was, um, it was a really cool experience and it's cool that, um, yeah, everyone knows when to, when to, when to turn that side on and turn it off. And it's cool that we all, we all do that and we all believe to have, have a fun time and a couple of beers isn't going to hurt. And be able to just hang around with Felipe, Gabby, like the guys that were there. It was a really cool experience. So, and like I said, everyone was ready to go again the next day. And I mean, we've been ready every morning. I mean, every time there's a call, everyone's, it's not like we're lounging around here. Everyone's ready to go. We almost want it to run. It's like, let's just get this thing underway. So when those waves do arrive, everyone will be pretty pumped up. We were catching up in the water the other day a little bit. And it dawned on me that, you know, this is a new event. It hasn't happened since 1997, but out of the current competitive field, you might have arguably the most experience here in Garajagon because you come here with your dad a lot. Is that is that fair? And, and give us a little background on, on how that started and what your experiences have been here in the past. Yeah, everyone's been saying that. They're like, oh, local boy. And I'm like, shut up. I'm putting so much pressure yeah, right, on me. But yeah. um, everyone's like, oh, you got more experience. I put you and Kelly in the same meet. And I was like, I think he's got a lot more experience <laughs> than me. He's the goat for a reason. But no, nah, it's a really, really cool experience actually going back from to about when I was about 14, I think me and my dad started coming here with um, a bunch of other surfers from Newcastle and on the East Coast region. They did like a, um, it was like a bit of a conference for like firefighters, nurses, ambulance drivers, anyone like that. It was like a conference here. They'd do it and they teach the locals. Um, you can see up at Bobby's, the Kimbo's Clinic. Yep. So they've actually built that over the years when I was here with my dad and ended up having to go to the clinic a fair few times, got stitches in my chin that my mum wasn't too happy about. And no, nah, it was really cool. Like I came as such a young kid and I think I grew a bit of a, as a man while I was here that I was the youngest kid at camp and kind of just had to like learn my way through. And it was a really core, cool, I call it core. Cool. They were just core cool old guys that just love surfing G-Land. And it was a really, really good, I don't know, way to grow up 
over here and learn. They were really hard on me. It wasn't like, oh, this kid's got stickers. Right. He surfs good. It was like I was getting pushed to the bottom, getting faded. Like it was a really cool experience that dad was like, hey, we need to get you better in lefts and especially left barrels and what a better place to to to, to do that. So, yeah, I think I came here four or five years straight from about 14 to yeah 18 or 19. And it was actually weird when we came back. I was like, oh, I probably will have a bit of experience, but it's like, it was still there, the, the the lineups and stuff, but going from when you're 14, 15 and like it was like such a heavy wave then and it's still equally as heavy now. Like on that first day we got here, it was like, it's hard to tell, maybe six to eight foot with an occasional 10-footer on the on that ledge bit out the back and it was so cool to see it again. It was like the it was like a reunion coming back on the boat. It was, it was just really special feeling and to be able to repay my dad for bringing me here four or five years in a row and be able to bring him and let him watch the best in the world and have him in my corner is um a really cool feeling. That's beautiful. And this is going to come out arguably after the event's finished. So so you and I won't I won't put on you. Kelly's got the most experience. All the pressure's on me. But, <laughs> but up there in terms of experience in garage gone, looking at the forecast, looking at both the men's and women's field that you probably had an intimate look at on both sides. What are your predictions for the finish of the event? I think we'll get good waves. Who are you looking to um, as the standouts on either side? Yeah, I mean, the wind was tricky today. It was unforecasted and we had a mini little hurricane for a minute there and we're all out in the water. Yeah, I feel as though that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we should get a, get a couple windows within that, hoping to be similar to that round one day or maybe a touch bigger would be pretty dreamy. I feel as though with, I swear he's a really, really spiritual place. And I feel as though with us sitting here for a week and not really getting too much, I feel as though something should come our way. Just just with our spiritual places, everyone's been enjoying themselves. I feel like the spirits will kind of lift and we should get some really pumping ways to finish this event off. And I mean, just for me, I mean, everyone's like, oh, how's it feel to go to round two? I was like, man, I get to surf G-Land again with one dude out. Like, that's like almost better than, like, I mean, going to round three would be nice. But I mean, surfing an extra heat, it's actually my first time in the elimination round this year. So, I mean, it's a bit different to the elimination round in the in the first half. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking forward to surfing a heat against Canola. And I mean, hopefully a couple more after that. I mean, me and Canola have grown up in that same kind of year generation and, he kind of cracked it a lot earlier than me, but I, I I stayed there and wanted to wanted to continue and get here like he did. So it should be a pretty cool, pretty cool heat when we've had a couple when we were like fourteen and fifteen in a couple of the Australian events. So that should be pretty cool. But I think you can't go past someone like John John, even though we saw him in round one with a knee brace. He's probably one of the best barrel riders in the world. And with him in a knee brace in round one, I watched the first ten minutes of that heat and he looked a little bit a little bit weird and then once he got that eight I was like wow you couldn't even tell from the distance you wouldn't even know and he had the knee brace on so I think he's the one to watch and I feel as though Carissa Moore on the women's side that that round one heat that she had was was incredible to get two eights and I remember speaking to Carissa out in a couple of the free surfs and we're both kind of because we both work with Mitchell Ross we're both like oh it's kind of really hard out here like we were kind of like racing down the line too much and not really looking at what's really immediately in front of us it's a really tricky thing here in GLN you really need to get those major turns in and we're kind of speaking about that. Let's just simplify it and keep it close to the pocket. And to see her do that in the round one heat, I was like, oh, I think she's the force to be reckoned with. And her not being in the Jeep leader jersey here, I know she'll she'll want it back. And she's she's got that fire, that's for sure. So it should be a good event to watch. Keeping it in the backhand camp, I'm into it. Yeah, I like I like the backhand. I'll, I should throw in there Connor O'Leary, my boy. <laughs> but um, nah, it'd be cool cool to see. There's not too many goofies on tour, but 
he's won in the free surfs. Some of the stuff he's been doing, I've been like far out. I'd love to be on my front side out here with him, but I feel like he's he's my he's my dark horse in this event. He'll be he'll be he'll be one to watch. I wouldn't be surprised if he does something like he did in Fiji the other year and make the final. So it'd be cool to watch. Beautiful. We're gonna take a quick break to award in from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. You mentioned um, a beautiful story of being able to bring your dad here and repay him for all the all the investment he put into you, I'm sure, throughout the course of your life, but certainly here in Garajagon. But you were born and raised in New South Wales, Merriweather area? Yep, correct. Yeah. So what was it like? What did mom and dad do? Did you have any siblings? What, what was it like growing up in Merriweather? Uh, my dad is a mental health nurse, just actually retired when I qualified, pretty funny. Um, he always said the day I qualified that he'd retire and I did and he was around that 68 so he was ready to do it and yeah so it was a pretty cool pretty cool feeling I called him to say I qualified and two days later I seen the email with his uh, resignation letter so that was um, pretty cool so his job was done yeah his job was done he was like <laughs> I'm done here uh, my mum she was a preschool teacher like um, uh, well, preschool is the best way to put it just yeah, yeah. toddlers and stuff so she she did that two to three days a week um, and then my sister, I have a sister, what am I, 25, my sister Mariah, she's 28, she's three years older so she's a speech pathologist now um, but we, yeah, we had a great upbringing, um, won't go into the depths of mum too quickly but yeah, we had a great upbringing, mum and dad and sister are super supportive, um, I have to thank my sister for a lot of the sacrifices, I mean, you hear that with, with, with sports people or athletes that the other siblings may have to take a bit of the back seat and right. Um, I was lucky enough that 
she was she, she was happy to do that and she was just doing her thing with her school and playing netball and stuff like that so mum and dad fully wholeheartedly supported me and very thankful for that i mean i grew up playing soccer kept me in a team sport had that team aspect so what was your position i just got put wherever because yeah, right. i was never at training my dad was actually the manager <laughs> of the team and it was just like if you're not rocking up to training then you just get put wherever i was usually playing in the in the backs just defending i'd get a go every now and then in the centers if i rocked up to training because i actually not going to blow my own trumpet but i wasn't a bad player but we played a grade for a, i think i was there till i think i started when i was like six and stopped when i was like 14 or 15 when surfing started to get proper serious because i was just never around but yeah. that was a really cool aspect that mum and dad added to my life just being able to have that team sport and still have that friendship there with 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 mates i'm still actually mates with a lot of them now so that was a really cool thing growing up playing soccer as much as I'm a big footy fan I never got to really get my hands on the NRL ball on the field I, I played a couple times with this with the school teams and stuff so definitely had no talent there I just I just have the love for it now just watching the game so why um, wouldn't you have talent playing footy just for for the American audience or the non-Australian audience uh, like, like, if you're good at soccer and you're obviously athletic what was the what was holding you back from I the footy guess a bit of mongrel NRL is mm. a pretty pretty tough sport a pretty contact sport soccer in a soccer when you're young's not too not too not too contact so yeah I had fun when I did the win the schools comp but I remember getting whacked a couple of times and had my headgear on and I was still getting thrashed. So I was like, yeah, I don't think this is built for me. <laughs> Maybe now I'm a bit bigger boy. I was a bit smaller back then. Oh, I was okay. a pretty small. I was pretty short. Just I was a real chubby short kid. <laughs> a little chubby short ranger. But now nah, I get that um, ginger side strawberry blonde from my mom and um, – yeah, I guess the chubbiness, I don't know where that came from. But <laughs> still trying to work that off now. Still trying to work off my baby fat. But um, nah, yeah, great upbringing. I mean, surfing trips um, with, with my dad and even did a couple with, with mum as well in Bali and stuff like that. And Did mum, did your parents surf as well? Dad's a surfer. Yeah. Um, dad actually surfs pretty good. Yeah, right. um, grew up, when I got my first few boards, I was riding Mark Richards surfboards. We'd yeah. go into the shop and just grab a couple of Jesse Adams' old boards off the rack and sure. I left the stickers on there. I think you sponsored by Quickie back then and <laughs> I was just so frothing when I was like six and seven having those. And yeah, it's been really cool that dad riding MRs and now we're really good family friends with Mark and yeah. he, I always get texts from him and of support, especially when I qualified and when I surf a good heat, it's like it's the coolest thing when you get a message from him. I'm like, this is, this is amazing. So just that upbringing through the shop and hanging in the shop with dad and I've got a couple of his boards now, a couple retro twins and I've got a 6'6 Bush Ranger Swallowtail that's like made for Big Merriweather, which we haven't got yet. So I'm waiting to get that board out there and, and give it a good run. Merriweather, uh, one of my best friends was uh, the former ASP web designer, Ben Frawley. He's yep. actually Mr. Cliff in 2019. He's a beast. He's a beast. <laughs> But I've had the good fortune of spending a lot of time there, and um, it's such an amazing community. It's obviously not a tiny town, but it seems to produce a real outsized quantity of talent. Um, and obviously, MR is sort of the godfather there. But for decades, there's just been world-class surfers coming out of Merriweather. And you know, the waves can get really good, but it's not you know a pipeline or a snapper rocks per se in terms of like elevated Yep. location or venue i guess what do you kind of attribute that to in the sense of like maybe is it a community is it everyone pushing each other it's 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 just a real fascinating thing in the surfing world i think it's a combination of things i think probably the biggest one is probably the community support from um merriweather surfboard club and just those rivalries that you get through 
the local contests. And um, I mean, for me growing up, I was watching guys like Matt Hoy, Luke Egan, Ryan Callanan, Jake Sylvester, Craig Anderson, Travis Lynch. I could probably sit here for a fair while yeah, and rattle yeah, off yeah. names that probably no one that will listen to this would would, would know. Um, they should. The, they should though. The talent pool in, in Merriweather and Newcastle is is, is, is amazing. Um, and to grow up surfing against those guys, like we have um, a contest called the Ray Richards Memorial, which is a man-on-man contest, which every year, like me, Morgan and Ryan, no matter where we are in the world, world always try to get home for it. Even growing up doing that, I'd be surfing man-on-man heats with Ryan and just getting waxed and guys like Jackson Brent would be smashing it and Mitchell Ross would come home for it. It's a really cool contest and, yeah, it was pretty serious for a, for a, for a board riders contest. So I feel as though just that level of surfing that you're surfing with every day on a day-to-day basis, no matter what the waves are doing, um, yeah, is really cool. And I think the probably one of the biggest things is the, the consistency of waves we have. They're not the greatest waves all the time, but – you rock up to the beach at Merriweather or along the stretch there and there is something to surf. It's like there'll never be a day go by. It's not surfable somewhere sure. on the Newcastle coastline. So if it's 10 foot southerly and no good, you go around to Nobbies and there's always a little left or there's a reform somewhere. And if it's small, there's there's beaches down further south like Catherine Hill Bay. There's all little banks down there. And we're very, very lucky with that. Now I've, I'm, I'm, I'm elder. I've got my license. I um. I actually live a little bit out of town now with my girlfriend and I go down to Redhead and different places like that and just, just to surf and I get to see the whole coastline of the whole – I mean, when you talk about Newcastle and stuff like that, you mostly think about Merriweather. But, I mean, there's a lot of beautiful beaches along that whole coastline that have the same talent pool that that, that Merriweather does that um, probably people don't know too much about. It's pretty cool when you go to those places like Redhead and Frenchman's and stuff like that and there's still great talent pool down there and there's – young kids that are pushing themselves now and I go there now and I'm like, whoa, where's the new talent down here? It's 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 really cool to see. Yeah. And it's something that I'm always fascinated about, I've talked a lot about on this podcast, is just the balance between what we have in the US now is really any little kid with talent, you know, their families are buying a sprinter van and moving to San Clemente and they're on the e-bikes and they're all there. <laughs> you know, they've kind of left their regional beaches. Um and in a way, I understand why, you know, like the waves, obviously very consistent. You're around other high level talent. You're staying very, very sharp, but you kind of lose that regional approach to wave riding in a way that I've really, really liked, you know, basically from time immemorial up until the last, you know, 10 years. And the way that you describe the Newcastle is it's almost as if, yes, wave consistency is important, but really the community of surfers is almost infinitely more important because everyone's pushing each other to get better the whole time yeah for sure i, I can totally understand well yeah the american family is going to san clemente and 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 doing that whole scene but then i can also see it from the other side of like if you're surfing lowers every day you're surfing a good wave you're surfing a good wave all the time and you're going to get good at surfing good waves it's like if everyone in australia moved to snapper and was like, that's the place where I'm going to get good. I, I feel as though, especially with the QS and the junior series, I mean, we don't get the best waves. So like if you're rocking up to your local beach, just grinding every day and got a good talent pool of kids there, I feel like that's really cool. And I feel like it's the thing with Oz, like everyone kind of stays in there, stays in their area and there. It's a pretty cool thing. Everyone just hangs around and stays in their town. And it's cool to travel up and down the coast, but everyone's pretty um, homegrown and really enjoys their town. And, and like, I mean... I don't think you could move me out of Newcastle or Merriweather. It's um, 
it's where my it's where my heart is and that's where I've grown up and I love it for that. And everyone's like, oh, what about moving here or there? It's like it's got everything I need. It's got the waves that may not have the best waves, but it gets good sometimes and we got um yeah, we got everything we need there. You mentioned some of the folks that were in your peer group um coming up. Was there a moment for you where you realized that I can be a professional surfer? Was it a contest or a sponsorship or a magazine or just what social media, but whatever it is, but or was it something that was a little more gradual where you just always thought, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to keep matriculating through the system. Yeah, I think um, it was more of just a tick in, just ticking over, just just enjoying the process of it all. I think there's a fair few things when I was younger and that 14, 15, 16 mark, I won a couple of contests. I was like, oh, yeah, I got this. Sponsored by Rip Curl. I got sponsored by Rip Curl when I was eight. I've been on the team for a long, long time and I'm lucky that they've stuck by me. I'm 25 now and I've only just qualified. So it's been a really cool experience to be with them the whole time and to be a part of a company for that long and support through the hard times and through the good times as well. It's been re- been a really cool journey. So I'm stoked to still be still be with them and riding with them through this whole journey. It's really cool. So yeah, I feel there's like there's little things in my career where I've gone, yeah, like I felt like oh, I could probably do it, but you're still pretty young there. Like if you're doing good in the juniors, doesn't mean you're going to be good on the QS. And I was pretty good in the like under 16s. I won a fair few contests, and I was like kind of high up in that at that echelon of that um that year. And we had a bunch of good good guys in that year. It was like your Mikey Wright, your Kai Hings, your Luke Luke Hines. Um, Hey, the, it, was, it was a crazy. We had a really good generation of of, of, of surfers, Jacob Wilcox. So it was a really, really good community that we had, and we had Kanoa and Leo coming over for contests. It was like, wow, like this is gnarly. So coming into the juniors, I didn't do so well. I kind of missed out on World Juniors a fair few times, and probably thought about kind of brushing it. I was a bit over it. I mean, when you've been doing it, no one's fault. I was just doing it from so young. I was doing yeah, contests yeah. from like eleven, and I enjoyed it. But I mean, you get a little bit of burnt burnout and kind of through that like later junior series, I was like, am I over it? And then I ended up changing the age from the junior series from yep. 21 to 18. Yep. And then I was like, all right, well, maybe I've got to go give this QS thing a crack. And right. dad was like, well, there's no point waiting until next year to, to give this a crack. You might as well go to Japan as a couple of one stars and just see if you can get some points. And first one I went in, I, I got a third and I was like, oh, maybe I am built for this. I was still a bigger guy and got third right. in a yeah. pretty small um, one star in Japan. And, yeah, I guess that all just started. I was like, I might as well just – I wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm going to qualify from that. It was just like maybe I can just chip away at this. And it's probably, yeah, 17, 18 then. And, I mean, it took me till 24 to qualify. So I guess I just kind of just chipped away at it and had some tough years there through the QS and my mum passing away during that time and going, is this the be-all and end-all? Am I meant to do this? So I went to a bit of a time where I was like, is this worth it? And the losses during the QS after losing mum, I was like, is this – emotional downfall so worth this whole thing and really took me a while where I was thinking so much about mum and the loss of that and that I was like things have just got to go my way but that's not how life works I felt like oh yeah oh mum mum's passed away like things are just going to go my way that just makes everything harder if you look at it that way so as soon as I kind of clicked and put into perspective that I'm doing it for me and in memory of her, not not for her. Or it was just it's it's for me, just to do do her proud. And I think once I clicked into that headspace is when I started to to get back on the up and it's probably still a two year plan and then managed to qualify at the back end of last year. So I mean things it's all it's all a process. Nothing happens overnight, but I feel as like as soon as I got in that headspace it was probably like 
I, I was like, I could probably do this now. I think mentally before that I wasn't, wasn't, wasn't built for it. And as soon as I kind of figured that out and chatted to some people and really figured out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. And I knew that she would want me to be, be here living, living my dream. So I'm glad that I get to sit here today and say that I've made the world tour and I don't know, hope I'm doing you proud, mum. It's pretty cool. It, it's easy. I appreciate you sharing that, you know, and, um, you know, it's easy to kind of, I think our brains just probably, I'm older than you are, but, but I think generations of us are kind of programmed to switch into Disney mode yeah. where it's like something bad happened to me. That means something great's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I lost my dad to head and neck cancer a couple of years ago. Your mom passed away from breast cancer and it, it's hard finding your way out of that, you know, because it's, you're hurting on one side and you're waiting for the universe to course correct that. Yeah. But as you said, it's like, it's not going to do that. You know, like you have to put in the effort and it sounds like you've done that and you obviously strike that balance of honoring your mom with your jersey number 61, which was yep. your birth year and uh, the pink sea eyes, this yeah. year, you know, so it's uh, not an easy thing. No, nah, no, yeah, it's it, it, it definitely, if anyone's listening to this that's going through a similar thing, it, it, it's not going to happen overnight. It, 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 it takes time and I mean, people can give you advice and stuff like that, take it on board, but I mean, it's, it's, it's how you do it. It's, I mean, there's no book on losing someone or going through trauma there's no book someone just hands you and goes hey this is how you figure it all out it's, it's all about work for everybody it's yeah like it's not and nothing yeah. works for everybody it's um it's about finding yourself and really knowing what you want to do and stuff like that and it, yeah i mean it took me a couple years it could take people longer or it could take people less it's just it's just how it all works but for me to be able to be here on the world tour with my mum's number on my back 61 um really special number actually dad was born in the same year so i guess it's for for both of them and then to be able to tribute her with my pink boards it's I don't know. I rode a whiteboard at Snapper, and it just didn't feel the same. It like didn't have that same juju. I was like, "This is." So uh, if I do a couple challenger series, I might ride whiteboards, but the pink's definitely staying here on the CT. I might change the pink every year and just keep it running. And just the just the support I've been getting from just even just random people I've never met before over social media have been messaging me about it. They're like, "It's such a cool initiative," and I hope to build down the track with um, ho helping to raise awareness with the breast cancer foundation and stuff like that. So that's, that's my long-term goal. And I mean, I've got to stay on this tour for a bit longer to be able to do that. So that's kind of my goal. That's what's driving me to be here and to succeed is um, yeah, it's exciting. So far so good. Switching back to the sponsorship topic before, which is interesting because as you said, you've been with rib curl since you were eight and you know, it's, I'm always fascinated by this. I, I guess having been around it for so long is, sponsors that invest in really young kids and i'm not saying that you were like overpaid like because let's face it some kids i wish a lot of money <laughs> yeah yeah but it's like it always baffles me because it's like you know a kid at 12 you don't know what they're going to be like at 16 you don't know what they're going to be like at 18 or 25 or it's like until they hit adulthood yeah um, whether they're a man or a woman it, it's very hard you know i mean nikki wood's a perfect example yep. you know nikki wood was the youngest CT winner up until that point. He's a Newcastle Merriweather sort of icon. Yeah. And it was just one of those freak things where he, I think he grew eight inches in a year and it just rattled his knee. And it was just one, it's never the same again, you yep. know? And, and we've seen it time and again with a lot of investment in young folks. And um, yeah, it's just interesting that, that you were able to navigate that because it's, it's almost kind of like child actors where it's like, man, someone that's like well-adjusted at your age is sort of so rare. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel as though, I think you just, you, I think everyone, 
I don't know, they see different things with contracts and contract talk and people on money and this and that. And it's kind of hard when you see such young kids getting thrown such big money at them and stuff like that. I was, I was definitely just one of those kids that just stayed in the middle ground and just stuck in my ways. And it's definitely times where I was like, oh, I wish I was getting this or getting that. This person's getting this. But it was like, no, nah, just follow your own lane and just you just you just wait. Like, And now I'm here like as a championship tour surfer. I'm, I'm very stoked. I mean, I've seen a lot of people unfortunately burn out during that period and and that could be from sponsors or not necessarily sponsors but just um expectations I mean it's hard I mean I was never like I said going after the young years I was kind of one of the guys but I, once I went through the juniors and the QS I was never like a big name so I was kind of just flying under the radar doing my thing which I felt like helped me I was kind of like when I did do well it was like whoa like that kid's doing well it wasn't like I was expected to do well and right. I feel like that was a lucky thing with, with Rip Curl. I was just kind of like just always going, hey, guys, I'm still here. Like I'm chipping away at it. And I think they they really appreciated that when I qualified. It was kind of like a cool thing I could say to them. I was like, hey, like we did this together. It was a long journey. And I mean, there was years there where I thought about throwing the towel in. I was over it and Rip Curl stuck by me. They were like, hey, like we'll, we'll keep you on the team like if you want to do it, blah, blah, blah. And I feel as though just having that that loyalty between both sides um, of when things got tough with mum, like they were they were pretty supportive with that. Yeah, just to just to have qualified and gone, hey, like we did this together is pretty pretty cool. And had to work there for a little bit, but that was COVID. Had to get a job, so I mean that was not not really sponsor wise. That was just life just through everyone a lemon. Um, and I think I think like you said before, when you said like where was the time where you thought you, you you wanted to do it or where it clicked? I think that was when when I was working, I was like I do not want to do this anymore. That was in what were you doing? I was a courier driver in 2020 for about a year, year and a bit. That Manly contest got cancelled. No, Manly ran, and I actually got a pretty good result in the prime. And then it's about to get on the plane to New Zealand, and then just things just went yeah. shocking and. And then I was just hanging around home, kind of just doing nothing. I was a bit lost. I was like, wow, I was having such a good year. I was working so hard and it's kind of just surfing and I just watched my bank account just go, and I was like, oh, and I was like to my girlfriend, Emily, I was like, hey, what do I do? She's like, oh, there's a fella at work that's looking for courier drivers. I could just get you some casual work doing that. And I was like, yeah, all right. And then from then on, I turned into a pretty much a full-time, full-time gig, five days a week and kind of just worked and there was nothing else to do. I was surfing on the weekends and just working. So, um. But then once I just got so over it, I was like, if, one, if this surfing thing comes back, like, I mean, we, no one knew with COVID. It was like, 100%. could have been five years, could have been totally. like, when, when, when's normality? And once that next year, the regional Australia, the Australian regional got all those events back on. And I was like, Hey, I've got to give this a, this is, this is my time. And I was like, I was more driven than ever to just go, I'm not doing this anymore. And got a couple good little results in the regionals. And I was like, looking good for the, for the challenger. And then, got a call up for the CT for Newcastle and um, once I got that and surfed a couple of heats and only went down slightly to Italo in some close heats and I was like, maybe I can do this. And then from then on, it was just, let's let's get it done and ended up going in the Challenger Series and scraping in. And yeah, I think that was a time when I was like, this is, I do not want to go back to work in a day-to-day job. I want to, I want to do this for a living and yeah, it's lucky I am now. I'd imagine that, you know, the, the good fortune of getting the call up to the CT at Newcastle and just being able to test yourself against CT level talent, it had to have carried a little bit over into your challenger series performances where it's not a question for you of like, well, what happens when I get there? Cause you've already kind of answered it to yourself yep. and it must've helped. Oh, for sure. I think, um, 
yeah, the waves we got for that event weren't weren't amazing. They were at my local break, and I kind of was kind of like just wishing we got better waves just to showcase. I mean, finals day was was amazing. It was yeah. proper merryweather. It was cool to see. I mean, we saw Gabby and Idolo going left on biggest airs. Like I've seen no one do airs on that part of the reef in my life, so that was pretty cool to see. But yeah, from from my experience, I, I had I think I had lost slightly in round round one to Idolo and had Jack in that heat as well. I was like, oh, okay, and then in and then in round three, I got Italo again and had a close heat. It was, I think, and I mean, just from that heat, I, I was just sitting out there with him as a wild card, and just to just to have someone that's on the CT a little bit worried about what you're going to do on your next wave or what you do with priority. I was like, wow, maybe maybe I am a bit of a contender here. Maybe that maybe I've got him this worried. Like maybe I do deserve to be here and want to work to get there. And once it came around to the Challenger Series, I was like. This is a, this is the this is the level below. Like if I can showcase it here, and then I deserve to be there. So once like you get that lot of confidence, I went to Huntington with a lot of confidence. Lost first heat, got <laughs> waxed, and I had a lot of time to think about it. Going into Portugal, I was like, this is my event. This is the wave. It's quite similar to Bell's to Merriweather, like a slopey right hander. I'm a bigger guy. I can throw spray, and that event just was amazing. I just clicked into gear every heat and. Um, I was working with Richard Dog Marsh and it was just, it, everything just clicked. I never felt nervous. I never felt pressured. It was, the, it was one of the weirdest feelings. I just felt good every heat. I knew that I was going to do good at that contest and came up short for the win, but I was, I was still over the moon, like to go second challenger series event in and get second. And I think I jumped to like fifth on the ranking straight away. And I was like, all right, this is, this is my chance. As you said, it's, it's wasn't like you were rolling into that event with result momentum. You yep. know, you get, you have to eat some humble pie at us open and it's like oh man it's not the start i needed and it's a condensed challenger series year you know something you said before uh sticks with me just about you seem like one of those individuals that your surfing gets to speak for itself in, in a lot of ways whereas we've talked about this a lot on the podcast in the past where there's certainly individuals both on the men's and women's side that have so much of the and this is uh the part of the podcast where everyone gets to take a shot it's the <laughs> game, but the surfing industrial complex overhypes them yep. to the point that it, I'm sure a lot of it's warranted, but it creates such a big shadow when they actually turn up that it's like, even if they're performing well, but if it's not at where the shadow is, yep. it feels like a failure. Yeah, And it just seems like a huge distraction compared to a lot of people. And I'd actually throw, I've, as I've said in the past, throw John John Florence in that bucket, which sounds insane. But when he made it at the midseason uh, mark in 2011, the consensus in the surfing world was well i I hope he does well enough uh in these other events before pipe no one knew who he was going to be you know in a a way yeah and and he'd had that kind of under the radar qualifying he broke his back that year yeah and then he he kind of snuck on you know and we're like oh i hope he does all right and he is also an individual that that worked a lot on his surfing outside of barrels as well on tour but um similar like where his surfing actually got to speak for itself as opposed to kind of this again this weird specter that had been put out before him where he's like i have to surf like that every heat or i don't get to do it and it seems like that's very similar to yourself in the sense of hey uh, my nine is a nine you know and my six is a six and that's what it is you know it's not it's not anything other than that which seems like it would serve you really well especially at this level yeah for sure i feel like i know i I know i know my strengths um and i definitely use them to my to to my um yeah to the best of my ability i mean places like here and at bells like i really felt like i really came into my own just been able to been able to lay the rail and i mean i think probably qualifying for me i don't know how it looked to other people but i feel as though i was probably coming in a a, a little bit under the radar Mm. like 
I think me and Carlos just kind of snuck on. And I mean, I don't know other than people in Newcastle really knew what I was about. I mean, a lot of people would have watched the Challenger, but I mean, I really only did good in in, in one of those contests and was lucky enough that it was a final and I, and, and, and I made the tour. There was a lot more surfing and the media around like the guys that were doing good because everyone was pretty consistent in those ones like fifths and nights yeah, right, and yeah, yeah. i only got the one big result so i was kind of coming in kind of a bit under radar and i like that i still feel like i'm that like like that now i've only just snuck through the cut i mean i've had some good heats here and there but i feel like in the first six months i haven't really shown i don't know even 60 percent of what i can really do i feel like with the cut and everything like that, you're, you're surfing so pressurized and you're just trying to just surf just to make make the heat, not to surf, to just to blow it up. So I'm really excited for this back end to really show show everyone what I'm about and really open up and just be relaxed and, yeah, become a full-time contender here. We're going to take another quick break to get a word in from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll finish her up. Manduka was founded in 1997 with the simple idea that a better yoga mat could make a world of difference. For generations, Manduka has revolutionized the yoga space by providing purposely crafted products that enable a more joyful practice, whatever that looks like for you. The collaboration between Manduka and Jerry Lopez honors Jerry's profound dedication to both surfing and yoga disciplines. The limited edition collection showcases Jerry's signature camouflage print inspired by his surfboards. It fuses his iconic surf style with Manduka's commitment to quality and sustainability, offering everyone a unique expression of their practice. We all know that having the right gear is essential and a yoga mat is no different. Feel the benefits of yoga with Manduka's soulfully engineered, eco-friendly products designed to inspire your practice wherever you go. The Manduka and Jerry Lopez collection want to inspire you to practice yoga however you choose to. And from now until June 10th, you will get 15% off of all products when you visit manduka.com with the code THELINEUP15. That's manduka.com, code THELINEUP1515. Rookie year on the CT, you talked about how pressurized everything was. And you do in a couple events, right? Um, not just CT level events, but you had what, at least from the outside, seemed like a hugely emotional cracking win for you at home at Newcastle. Yeah. And, and it, it's not a CS level event, it's not a CT level event, but in a way, it might be the most important event for you to win. Can you, can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, um, yeah, it was one of the coolest, coolest weeks, weeks ever. Um, just to be, when I looked at the calendar, I could, I saw that that was the, that Surface was on. It's an event I've done my whole life and never really done good in, but I always try be there to support Warren. Warren's run that event for a long time, from under sixteen contests, the Sandbar Cadet Cup, to the Pro Juniors, to now the, now the QS, and it's something that I always try be home for to support them. And I actually thought about it a bit before the event I, I, I didn't know if I wanted to to do it even though it was at home it was actually a pretty a bit of a predicament to be in I didn't know if I wanted to be there because it actually shaped people's careers for the challenger series right. um and I didn't want to be that I know big bad bear that I know flick people out of their dream because I've been in that exact same position and but then I had to put myself in the shoes of like it's a local event at my local break 
imagine sitting there and not being a part of it. I mean, even if I was commentating or helping out, it's, it's, it's not the same. Yeah. After the Cabarita five-star kind of happened, I, I kept a good eye on it. And, and the top 10 was pretty pretty set in. Right. The guys that needed needed points were needing to win and stuff. So I was like, all right, like probably not ruining someone's dream in round one or round two and stuff like that. So I was like, and I spoke to Mitchell Ross, my dad and my sister, and they're like, mate, like this is the first time you're going to surf in surface with no pressure. Like this is a chance to get that. Nova Cashrian on the trophy, like myself or Ryan, and we both entered. So it was like we had a shot. Yeah. And that just that whole week, we had some fun waves the whole week. We had a tricky swell during the later period. And then that Sunday when we woke up and they were like, hey, guys, we might have to extend the contest. We don't know yet, but we're going to do four man heats and try to get this thing done today. And I was like, yep, let's do it. Like Sunday, Avo and Nui, everyone will be pretty fired up to sit down there drinking beers and watch the contest unfold. But yeah, that day was um, really, really special. Just kind of. It's a cool contest that when you can just rock up somewhere and know that the result doesn't matter and you can just enjoy surfing at your local break and be against some of the best Aussie surfers. It was a it was a it was a really cool experience. And to be able to be on either sides of the draw with Ryan, we were kind of just kind of coming closer through like the quarters, through the semis, and the waves held in the whole day. It was um a really special day. And once we got to the final, I think it was myself, Ryan nathan hedge and billy stammen and i was actually joking around because at the start of the week when we're training we're like imagine if it's a because originally it was meant to be a two-man final right, yeah, and i was yeah, like yeah. imagine if it was just me and you and the whole town's just losing it because no matter who wins we've got an over in champ and um before we're like well we've still got a 50 50 shot now like let's do it one of us does it and i think um that final my mum just sent me every wave because I, I got waves that no one else could have got out there every time i had priority a set would come i'd got like a six and a seven then I got like another seven and I think I got an eight and like no one could score over a five. It was just like these wild ones from everywhere that were just coming in. Like it's the most beautiful afternoon. There was like this orange sky and um, it was the longest final because I had like 15, 15 or 16 points in the first like 10 minutes and right. I was like <laughs> Ryan chasing me like I've never beat him ever, let alone at Merriweather on home turf. Um, but just to, just to share that final with him and got down to the end and – um we yeah, kind of had a good hug after when it all ended and just to, I don't know, realize that I'd won and to do that with one of my best mates in the water, someone I've grown up. I mean, I, he's one of my role models. He's someone I, um, with everything he's been through, I can kind of role model myself off him and he's helped me a lot with, with what we've both been through. So to share that moment with him was, was really special. I mean, if he managed to win and I was in that position to be with there with him, I think the feeling would have been the same. I think we're both just so stoked that someone had, um, had finally won from Newcastle and the Nova Cashian's name was on the trophy. So it was a really, um, real special day for my family, myself. I mean, I had my girlfriend there, my sister, my dad, my girlfriend's family. And it felt like from the, from the sky, the sunset that, that mum was really watching over and yeah, it was, it was one of the coolest days. I mean, it's been tricky with the last few events cause everything's moved on so fast. It was yeah. kind of like just talking about it now makes me so happy because I haven't really I, – I got to celebrate it, but I was at Bells like two days later. So I needed to kind of push it aside and, 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 and get back to work. But I feel as though just being able to talk about it, anyone that talks about it with me, it just makes me so stoked. It was one of the best – I know it wasn't a result that I'm going to keep or anything like that, but it was probably one of the best days of my life, that's for sure. 100%. And as you pointed out, like completely magic that you're in the final of Ryan as well. And someone who's been on this podcast, but someone who is – such a world-class surfer and and things didn't bounce his way with the mid-season cut and i mean it's 
so many surfers, oh, right? That you could, if you if you took a look at the rankings before, it could have been any anyone. It could have been anyone. Um, and 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 certainly seems like someone. It was awesome to see him get a result, manly, and yeah, love to see him get back on tour. But you know, looking ahead at at those back five events, we're here in Garagigon, then we go to El Salvador, uh, Sacarema, Jeffries Bay, Choku, um, and the WSL finals. And as you mentioned, you're lower ranked at the moment, so there's a lot of way a lot of ways to go. Yep. Which events are you looking in particular at and thinking like, just as with bells, you go, that's where my weapons are most dangerous. If you're looking at those five CT events remaining, which ones do you think are going to play into your favor? Uh, I think El Salvador. I've never been there, but that that right point at Punta Roca looks looks amazing. Looks kind of like a, a bit more bowly, longer kind of bellsy type wave. It looks really, really high performance. Um, just being on my front side, I'm I'm comfortable going both ways, but I feel as though... I kind of lean towards my front side if I can go right. Um, most of my results have, have, have come on right. So I'm excited to go there and um, really just surf heats with no pressure and really perform and be able to just leave it all out there regardless of the result. But I feel like that's somewhere where I could really, really come into my own and um, yeah, get a big result. That's the goal. I mean, I mean I'm at 23 now. Oh, 22, 23, it's all the same, but I've made a cut. cut. Yeah, I'm inside the cut, so it doesn't matter. But I mean, for me, I'm just looking at it from, I can't go any further down. So, I mean, only upwards for me. I mean, top 10 is still a goal. I mean, mean, I'm one quarters, one semis probably away from making the top 10 just to get closer to it. So, I mean, I'm only one result away. So, that's kind of where I'm looking forward to go into that top 10. And I mean, top five is not completely out of the picture i mean there's still five events there's still fifty thousand points points up for grabs i mean the options are endless i mean for me probably the most realistic goal is top 10 and then just see where i go from there and i always have like a goal that um i feel is like is quite achievable and then i have one that's kind of like not out of reach but i mean if you were to 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 reach it like that's that that's amazing so i guess top 10 and then top five so it would just be cool to surf heats no pressure and Go to El Salvador. J Bay is another one that's such, such a special location. Beautiful right hand point. Be nice to just draw some big lines out there. I mean, the guys that have done good out there before have feel like surf have kind of similar surf style to me. I mean, guys like Wade Carmichael, bigger, stockier boys that can throw spray on their front side. I feel like I'll I should come into my own there, and um, hopefully I'm a bit higher on the rankings then, and I'm not drawing your Felipe's and stuff hopefully I'm not still 23rd coming into J-Bay but if I have to be then I guess um watch out I'll 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 be fired up to get a result so yeah I mean to go to Chopes as well I've never been there that'll be definitely out of the comfort zone I I I definitely proved a lot to myself at Pipe at the start of the year I proved to myself that I can go it's just that getting over that mental barrier it's not the the side of ability it's more that mental side so I'm gonna get there early and put in the work there and I mean just enjoy that last event of the year so should be a good should be a good couple of months. You know, with, with your particular blend of power surfing, you know, equipment is obviously hugely important. And uh, you've been working with Channel Islands for a couple of years. And that is a board builder that is you know, world famous and has had so many world titles associated with their boards. In recent years, they've undergone what you maybe consider sort of a rebuild of their team. And, and you being, you know, an Australian representative on the championship to are a critical part of that. Can you talk to us a little about when you started working with them, what the experience has been like, what what board models you're currently uh, working on? Uh, yeah, I've been with Channel Islands, well, Channel Islands Australia since I was 11. Yeah. So it's been a been a been a long time. I mean, I think I'm just a, a person that once I once I believe in something, I'll just just stay with it. And 
I mean, I've been working with them for a long, long time. And then as the time went on through a bit older, I started working or started to get more on the international team. And lucky enough that Brent Powers kind of been the team manager in Oz um, the whole time I was in Oz. And then now he's the international team manager. I've kind of been able to build really nicely with the company and to be the um, only Channel Islands Australian rider on the tour. I mean, I'm just I'm just flying the flag for the boys. I'm just really proud to be up there and for them to believe in me with with the boards and still making me amazing boards and allowing me to do the thing with the pink boards. I mean, I don't know how many people will want to buy pink boards after I'm done with them, but they believe that it's something that I I wholeheartedly believe in and to do that for my mum and just to have that I don't know awareness for breast cancer is really cool. So for them to have my like to, for them to support me is um is amazing and. Just to be with a company like that, with everyone in Sydney, Mel, Brent, Luca, everyone that's really helped me. Um, it's such a cool company to be a part of, and now to be working with guys like Britt and Mike Andrews and everyone in America, it's um, it's really cool. It's such a, it's such a big company. It's not just like one shaping bay. It's like they're worldwide, and wherever we need boards, we can get boards, and wherever I get them from, I believe wholeheartedly that they're the best boards for me and under my feet. I don't ever second guess a board choice, especially on tour. You can't be, yeah. can't be worried about your equipment. I mean, that's, that's the first thing you've got to believe in. So I, I believe in my channel islands wholeheartedly and it's a really cool experience. A couple of things. I think more people than you think would buy pink boards. I sure. hope they do. <laughs> um, secondly, I would say that um, Brent Powers maybe used you as his, his application to become international team manager. You are his success story. So I hope he's taking care of you there. And then the last one, you know, say we're here in uh, Garagigon, what particular board models are you using here? Are they customs? Are they derivatives of what people would find on the rack? How does that work? So this year I've been pretty much once CI released the CI Pro model. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess that was the one, the stab in the dark with, with Jack Robbo. Yep. Um, once that's kind of come on the market, I mean, I'd had a couple of them before that as well, and I'd really, really believed in the model. And I mean, it, it, it was kind of a template off what I'd already been riding in the G Rabbit and old Geordie model. So I've kind of just been kind of tweaking that together. And so here I have CI Pros. I've just kind of rounded them out with a couple of round tails, a couple of squashes, but just kind of pulled in the tail a little bit. Um, I work with Hayden Lewis in Sydney. He's like the shaper who does my CIs in Oz, and he's been doing my boards since I was. Like 11 so um and i've had some brits as well like i mean i'm just kind of in that stage where i'm kind of just figuring out i've got i'm um, sport for opportunities i can get boards <laughs> from anyone and they go good so but for the first half of the year i was like i'll just stick with my haydens and they've been working really well so riding ci pros here um like i said couple round tails couple squashes and seem to be working really well here and i was using the same thing in margies and bells and and events as well so might might tweak around a couple things coming into the next few events i mean like I said, we're lucky enough to have Brit and a lot of other shapers through Channel Islands. I mean, I'm I'm just sport for opportunity, so I'm gonna probably probably tweak a little bit through the back end and maybe st stay on the CI Pros, but kind of make them make them my own as well. I mean, we're so lucky that if I have something that I like from one board and something I like from another board, we can put them together and and make the best of both worlds. So I'm very lucky there. It's one of my favorite questions to ask world-class surfers such as yourself because I've um, gotten them done for about 20 years. I've noticed CT surfers with boards typically fall into two camps. Now, the rarer camp is the surfer who's like, yeah, when you know, I'll ride epoxies or quads or different shapes or fishes in between CT heats and sometimes during CT heats. But the more common one is like, I ride my shortboard agnostic conditions every single time i need that blade as sharp as possible and if i ever leave then i'm worried i'm not gonna 
be serving as well. Yeah. Which camp do you fall in? I'm in the bit of the alternate camp. I, oh, okay. I don't mind. Um, not so much this year, but, but oh, I guess, yeah, a little bit this year. I mean, when I go home, like I said, in, in, in Newcastle, the waves aren't always too fun. So if I can get on like a Twinny or a Rocket Wired or something like Channel Islands have some amazing, just fun, small wave boards. The new Bobby Quad is amazing. Just... Um, they just call it the Quabby. The Quabby. That'd be pretty classic. That'd be pretty cool. They're going to be upset that I mentioned that. Listen, that one, Brent. Okay, uh, no, nah, but I'm very, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do probably coming into the contest, closer to the contest, I'll definitely try get on a short board. But I feel like getting on something different and having a bit of fun, it kind of keeps you excited to get back on your short boards. You don't sure. want to be on your short boards the whole time and they get a bit stale. I mean, like everyone, like you said, people want to keep the blade sharpened. I mean, I feel as though if I'm on there too much, then I might kind of wig out and go, oh, maybe I could be doing something different. So if I can kind of come back onto a rocket wide or something fun and then jump on my short board, it's like hopping from like a Toyota Corolla to a, I know, Ferrari when you hop on right. a good board. And what I've been doing here, I've actually been, the last few days, I've been riding my 6.3, probably the biggest board I've got here. But just with the bumps we've had the last few days and, I'm actually so excited for when we do get underway. I'm going to jump back on my 5.11 or my 6.0 and it's going to going to go go so fast. So, so I'm starting to actually figure out the 6.3. Dad's been like, are you still riding your 6.3? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you did a finner before. I was like, just figuring out this board. It's kind of nice to draw lines on a bigger board. So I always like to keep it keep it fun. I mean, I don't want to be out there. Like you said, we've got have had a couple of lay days here. You don't want to be getting too stale. You want to be kind of just keeping it fun. And I know doing some high lines on a 6.3 and some chop ops has been pretty fun. <laughs> The other, I actually really appreciated your comment on essentially it's it's a deep commitment. You know, when someone believes in you, you believe back in them. You've been on CI since age 11, been with Rip Curl since age eight. Rip Curl is a brand that has really been built on two foundational pillars. Certainly, um, they invest and value competitive results and world class surfing. Um, and the other avenue is the search, yep. you know, and, and often their team riders sort of balance between the two what's been your experience with the search and do you participate much in it is it has it ever sort of lured you away maybe in some of those moments of doubt have you thought oh i could just go free surfing and uh, you know yeah um i haven't had a had a huge huge part of the search as of yet i mean i mean i mean as i kind of came through the ranks i was still kind of I know under the radar, so I can totally understand that. But I hope that now I do have that platform and being a CT surfer that I can kind of work on some things with them, go on some trips with Mick and stuff like that and kind of see the other side of how they're doing it now and what Mason that are doing. Like it looks looks so much fun. Like, I mean, that'd be cool to, I know, like we get four months off the end of the year to switch off and go make some content with them or do some content with myself with a couple of mates at home, filmers or something like that. Keep it super fun. But I guess the search side with Rip Curl is so cool. I mean, their new their new ranges with the new bodies and new clothes. We're bringing out all the retro stuff. It's like that's what people want, like the old retro things. Like, I mean, even the stuff Quickie's doing here with with their thing is so cool. And that's what they do at Bells with us yeah. and all the old search logos. And when they bring out that thing with Mick and Mason with the big search logo on the nose, like that was a, that was a really cool thing for Rip Curl. It was like a huge change. And and now what we're doing with the new logo, like. Rip Curl's going, going in a different direction. It's really cool to see. It's really exciting. Yeah. I, it's interesting you bring up the Quicksilver thing too because it does feel, just as someone who's orbited the industry for so long, that there were a few years where where every brand was sort of moving in a direction that felt inauthentic in, in a yep. lot of ways. And it felt like 
even in those years, the successes were always the things that they were tied to, yeah. you know, and, and now everyone's kind of gravitating towards the idea that, no, that's all that matters, you know, and, you know, Rip Curl and Bell's Beach are synonymous, you yeah. know, I doubt they'll ever leave there. And as you said, they're, they're really drafting off of the halcyon years of the search with the aesthetic and everything. And we're here in Garagigon and, and, you know, the, listening to the folks at Quicksilver who are here, it doesn't sound like they ever, ever want to leave. You know, they're looking at Garagigon as their Bell's Beach, which for me and my, my day job is uh, head of strategy for the WSL is all I want to hear. Right? For sure. Where it's like, that's the business. That's yeah. our product too. So that's fantastic to hear. You know, in addition to that with Ripcroll, as you, you highlighted before, they have such an immense stable of talent. And Gabrielle's back and Mick Fanning. Have you been able to draw upon them for any kind of guidance throughout the years? And, and what's like the interaction like on the Rip Curl team side for someone like a Jackson Baker? Uh, I feel like they just for me, if if they just I know know who I am and that record that recognizing I'm 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 still a I'm still a fan at fan at heart. I mean, did even just during the year I've I've I've, I've fanboyed out. I'm like I'm on the CT with all these guys. I'm a part of it, but I'm like wow, this is this is amazing. But um, I've had some yeah some um stuff with Mick and Gabby, but just those guys just to know my name and call me by name. I remember meeting Gabby in the Ripco house. Oh, I remember I was sleeping underneath the stairs. I've been st- staying in the house for, for for a long long time now and. Um, very lucky for that as a Grom, just having that experience, being the dish pig in the house. And it's pretty cool to go back this year and actually have my own bedroom and be like, oh, I've actually made it here. Um, that was pretty cool. But I remember seeing Gabby in Bells the other year and just had a chat to him in the water after I hadn't seen him for like a lot of years and I'd grown up a fair bit, still knew me by a first name. And I was just like, that's really cool that someone that meets so many people like that still gives you so much time and respects you as an athlete as well. And even just catching up with him here has been, been really cool. And it's really cool to see him back. I mean, it's kind of was a bit weird the first six months. I was like, I don't want my first year on tour to not have everyone here and to have him back. I'm like, all right, this is a, this is a real year on the CT. It's everyone's here. Last question before we get to yep. the uh, the Instagram community questions, so Twitter community questions, I should say. You mentioned being able to fanboy out now that you are amongst the world's best tours, uh, surfers. You are someone's, you know, super. They're super fans of Jackson Bay. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But coming up in heats against people that you know, you have posters on the wall, etc. Is that something you've had to wrestle with psychologically to say, that's a hero of mine. I have to beat them. Yeah, for sure. I think. Um yeah, Pipe got John John round three coming in bottom of the rankings. John John Pipe, his backyard. Um, yeah, that was a moment where I think that heat kind of kind of went by because I was just in awe of him at Pipe. I don't think I concentrated on on my game plan game plan too much, and um, I think that I think that was a great heat to have. I had that, and I kind of learned that. Hey, like, yes, you have grown up watching these guys and you've I don't know shaped your surfing off a part of their surfing and you watch their surf movies and you've been a fan you still are a fan but I mean when you get in the water against these guys it's 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 kill or be killed you've got to beat beat everyone you come up against I mean your friends on land but as soon as you get in the water you've got to got to know that you've got what it takes to to, to beat them and that heat with John I kind of was just a bit in awe and was like whoa I've got John and I blinked and the 45 minute overlapping heat was over and I had like two fours and I was like oh I wish I put on a better performance but then when I came around to like Portugal or sunset against Geordie I gave it a great nudge and had Seth at um, Portugal and then had Geordie again at um, Bells I feel like that heat at, at sunset at pipe really shaped the next few I feel like 
I learned a lot from that event. I went home and talked to my sports psych and uh, Bill Nelson. I was just like, hey, like how do I overcome this not being – because, I mean, if I fanboy every event, yeah. cut, see you later. So, um, yeah, it was a great great way of I'm, – I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we both picked up on that and we, we recap every event. So it was cool that he really got me – Got the, I mean, I didn't want to spill the beans that I that I was like that. I was just kind of going to go, oh, we'll just let it go. Like, <laughs> So it's cool that he got in my head and he's like, hey, like what really happened in that heat? And, and that's exactly what happened. I just was like, whoa, I got John John and I'm click done. <laughs> so um, nah, now I know that I'm out in the water no matter who I'm against, no matter who it is, no matter what name, it's I'm out there to win. And when you're on land, you can you can, you can can really yeah, still still fan out. Love it. Well, it's time for the social media community to get their, get their crack at you. And so thanks to everyone who follows us on both Twitter and Instagram at The Lineup Pod. And a bunch of this week's questions actually come from Surf uh, Twitter community, which was started by Lincoln Ether. So thanks to that, Lincoln. The first question is from Et Ben Pereira, who asks, who is going to be the next person not named Gabriel Felipe Italo or John to win a men's world title? Wow, that's a... That's a big question. Can't go past one of my fellow Aussies. Um, I feel like he's really coming to his own in the last few years and especially this year. And he's actually sitting in that final five right now. Ethan Ewing, I feel like the, the, his journey, he was kind of that prodigy. He was, I know, great that first year he was on the QS and qualified and kind of it all went by and then he had to redo it again. I feel like just his whole career up to date so far has been really inspirational to watch. Like his surfing is incredible and you just enjoy watching it. He's one of the most enjoyable surfers style wise and, 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 and power wise. Well, to me he is. And um, just to see his journey to where he is now, like he's, he's had to overcome a fair few tough years on the, on, on the rankings falling off and coming back on and to see him now in the top five coming in G land, I feel like mate, I know this year could be the year. I mean, it, it, it's an exciting year and Ethan getting into the top five into lowers. It's like, I know lowers. I know that that's that's kind of his type of wave. I mean, now it's you've got the final five thing. It's not. I don't know. It's it's a race till the end. It's yeah. I don't know fifty thousand points. It's like you could come in at fifth and 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 still win the title. So um, I feel like he's he's my next one to win a title. Great answer. Second question is from H Wilson, who asks if you could pick a new stop for the CT next year, where would you go and why? Oh, that's a tough one um a new so a new event how about just one that's not on the calendar one on could, the have calendar. Been, could have been here before um i feel as i would be pretty cool if i could pick one especially post cut especially now we're in indo it'd be cool to have like a little indo leg like mm. go g land maybe karamas mm. would be pretty cool um i know there's not a lot of i mean i'm a natural footer i'm pretty biased i mean the goofy say we don't have enough lefts but um yeah, to have one at Karamas, I remember watching that from my from my seat at home on the couch watching that event, and you get world class barrels, world class airs. It's it's a it's an amazing wave. So it'd be really cool to have I don't know two in two in one region like we have in Oz. We have a little Aussie leg. We yeah. kind of have a bit of a we used to have a bit of a Europe leg. We have the Hawaii leg. It'd be cool to have a little little Indo leg and kind of like I know stay for staying somewhere a bit 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 more prolonged and I know just enjoy our enjoy our time could be pretty cool. Two more Nazi Gorings. A few more Nazi Gorangs and Bing Tang Longies, eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question from the uh, at the lineup pod social media community is from Marciano, who's here running away from monkeys, I'm sure, <laughs> um, who asks, has an Olympic gold medal crossed your mind and is it a future goal? Um, it hasn't crossed my mind too much, um, but now that I am on the tour, it, I guess it is, it is a 
it is a prospect. It is possibility. Um, I guess I have to be a little bit, a little bit higher on the rankings to to be in the that Olympic squad. But like I said, with my goals and where I want to be, I mean, I want to be in that in that top ten and 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 um, slowly build to being a top five contender and a world title contender. So I guess being in that area of the rankings gives you that possibility of going to the Olympics and. I mean, any time to represent your country. I mean, to represent your country on the world tour is pretty cool. But I, I, I feel as though that um Olympic thing would be a fair bit different. It'd be pretty special, and especially for well, the next year we're going to Tahiti. That would be pretty cool to to get some practice there at the end of the year. And um, yeah, be pretty cool to be fighting for a medal in a couple of years. Would be would be a pretty special feeling. Awesome. Well, thank you to the uh, at the lineup pod social media community, both on Twitter and Instagram. Now it's time for the final segment. This is the lightning round. Ten questions for you to answer as quickly as you can. (laughs) If you could only have one board set up for the rest of your life, single fin, twin fin, thruster, quad bonza, or finless, which would you choose? Thruster. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Burrito or pizza? Burrito. Last book you read? Uh, It's an Ant Middleton one called Zero Negativity. Best surf film ever? Uh, Modern Collective. One wave you never have to go back to? Um, there's a beach in South Africa in Port Elizabeth called, uh, the pipe, I think. That's no, choice. Never again. If you only get to surf one wave for the rest of your life. Uh, the rocks at Merriweather. Best person to share a lineup with. Connor O'Leary. Worst person to share a lineup with. Oh, there's a dude at home. I better not name him. I'll just leave that. <laughs> Mr. Cliff. <laughs> Mr. Guy at home. <laughs> Last one. Finish this sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by. I will next achieve a state of happiness by enjoying the journey and enjoying the process. Good man. Jackson Baker, congratulations on all your success. Thanks for coming on the lineup and uh, look forward to seeing you smash the tour the rest of the year. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, brother. Thank you. So that's it. That's the lineups conversation with Meriwether's Jackson Baker. I hope you enjoyed it. The Quicksilver and Roxy Pro G-Land stop number six on the 2022 WSL Championship Tour. And the first event following the midseason cut has completed with Joanne DeFay and Jack Robinson taking home the hardware. And the world's best surfers will next battle one another at the Surf City El Salvador Pro at Punta Roca from June 12th through the 20th and be webcast live at worldsurfleague.com and the WSL app. Do not miss it. This episode is produced by Henry Beyer with art direction by Jason Penning, copywriting by Dan Willen, and additional support from Miguel Clemente. Thanks to them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges that it's recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, the Kumie, and the native Javanese people. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are, and we'll see you next Tuesday. is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. 
Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. 